Well, I want to begin this morning with a question. Have you ever been in someone's house, maybe you were over there for dinner just hanging out or something like that, but you're sitting there in their house and you notice this plaque on the wall that says, House Rules, House Rules. If you've ever seen a plaque like this, uh, under those words, House Rules, it might say something like this. If it's dirty, wash it. If it rings, answer it. If you spill it, wipe it up. If you open it, close it. If it runs out, replace it. If it's borrowed, return it. If you sleep on it, make it. If you move it, put it back. If you turn it on, turn it off. House rules. You know, those are pretty good, but I don't think that they really get at the heart of what it means to create a household. Recently, I saw one of these kinds of plaques as we were walking through a small little store, and I really liked what it said. We actually have a picture of this that we're going to put up on the screen. It might be a little bit difficult to read this, but I'll read it for you. And here's what it says. In our home, we live joyfully, laugh abundantly, love affectionately, give generously, care deeply, smile spontaneously, pray faithfully, listen carefully, forgive freely, play adventurously, hug tightly, and always remember that tomorrow is a new day. Now, I don't know if you noticed this in reading these two different plaques, but one of them is more of like rules that you should follow, and other is a set of values. And I think that what's so beautiful about this second plaque to me is that it's not so much about do this and do this and do this, but it's rather more about uh, this is how you live your life. This is how you live your life, not just in the home, but this is how you live everywhere that you go. These are values that are to kind of permeate our lives. You know, for me, uh, one of the most interesting studies in the Bible is looking at some of the metaphors, some of the illustrations of how the church is described. In the New Testament, you see different examples of this, but one of the most common examples is that the church is described as the body of Christ, that when you think about these various unique parts of the body working together, this unity and diversity, there, that's kind of what the, the picture of the church is like. That we are the body of Christ. That we are the bride of Christ. We are the family of Christ. We are the temple of the living God. And scripture gives us these different pictures to kind of help us uh, better understand, better see the beautiful, uh, profound truths about who we are as we live as the church. It's important for us to remind ourselves who we are, of whose we are, and how that impacts the way that we live. You know, we could sit back and watch the news and hear all of the craziness that's going on in our world today, and that's exactly what it is. It's absolute craziness. We, we, we could be consumed by fear and anxiety and worry, but that's not what God has called the church to be. He has given us a mission to go to make disciples of the world. He has said that the gates of hell itself will not prevail against the church. 
He has started this good work and he has promised that he will carry it on to completion. And so I think it's good for us to remind ourselves of these things. One of the pictures of the church that I'd like for us to focus on today, and we're going to look at this next week as well, but it's this idea that's found in the scriptures of the church as God's household. We are God's household and God has some household values that he wants to kind of govern his church. And that's what we're going to be looking at today and next week, Lord willing. I love how God has these illustrations in the scriptures that describe the church and want us to just spend some time thinking about the, the fact that we are the household of God. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to open it or you can open that Bible app. But join me, if you will, in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And today, we're going to be looking together at verses 14 through 16. Now, I need to give you a little bit of context here before we focus in on these verses that we're going to be looking at today. But If you look at verses 1 through 13 of 1 Timothy chapter 3, you'll see that it talks about the qualifications of leaders within the church. And so in verses 1 through 7, they talk about elders, overseers, those who give spiritual oversight to the church. In verses 8 through 13, it talks about the uh, group of people called the deacons and deaconesses, people who are involved in the serving roles in the church. Uh, Now, What's so fascinating to me is that as you look at these verses, that you look at these qualifications, especially for the elders, there are 15 qualifications here. Uh, there, there are 15 traits, 15 characteristics, but several times, and this is true for the deacons and deaconesses as well, but several times it, it talks about family and how we lead, how we manage our families. And so, It seems to me that it's very important to God that those who are leading in his church, that those who are modeling a life of uh, Christ within the church, they, they are to be good examples in their homes, in their families. It's interesting that from those qualifications of leaders, which emphasize godly leadership in the home, that out of that then flows this picture of the church being God's family, God's household. I think that there is something about family, whether it's biological families or whether it's church families, but there is just certain values that we need to seek to live out, that we need to put into practice on a regular basis in order to be all that God has called us to be. I'm going to pick up in verse 14 of 1 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. I'm going to read down through verse 16. And I just want to point out from this text three household values of the church of Jesus Christ that need to be embedded in everything that we do. Here's what we read beginning in verse 14. The Apostle Paul writes and he says this, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, 
vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Now, the book of 1 Timothy, it's actually a letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy. And some of you know a little bit about Timothy, but Timothy is referred to as Paul's son in the faith. You read about Timothy in the scriptures, and uh, he may have been seen as Paul's number one, and certainly in the top handful of disciples that Paul had poured his life into. In fact, there are two books, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and they they are these direct letters from Paul to Timothy that are in our Bibles. And so Paul's talking to Timothy here, and we see this in verse uh, 14, this urgency from Paul. He says, I hope to come to see you soon. But I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know what you ought to do. When when, uh, Timothy was getting this letter, he was in Ephesus. He's part of the Ephesian church. And we have a map this morning of Ephesus. So you can kind of see where this is, this uh, place, and kind of picture this. But Ephesus is right there in the middle of this map, kind of circled there in red. And uh, it's between Jerusalem at the bottom right-hand corner and Rome at the top left-hand corner. But, but Paul had invested a lot of his care and ministry and discipling into the believers there in uh, Ephesus. And so uh, Paul is wanting to come and to visit them in person, but he says, you know what, there's a chance that I could be delayed. And we see this urgency in him. It's kind of like if maybe you tell someone, hey, um, let's get together sometime. I have something really important that I'd like to talk to you about. And they say, well, you know, I can't get together and meet for a couple of weeks. And, And so you say, listen, I can't wait that long. Let's talk about it right now. This is really important. And that's what Paul is seeing here, uh, seems to be saying as he uh, talks to and writes to Timothy. He says, you know what, there's a chance that I could be delayed in seeing you. And so this is so important that I'm just going to, it can't wait, I'm going to tell it to you right now. Now, verse 15, I want you to see this incredible phrase. And Paul says, I'm going to tell you this so that you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. You read that and you think, okay, so there's a proper way to behave as the people of God? Well, yes, there is. You you mean that I can't just do whatever I want to? No, no, you can't. I think one of the most profound verses in the New Testament, it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20, and it says there to believers... For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. You were purchased, you were bought with a price. What is that price? It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died on the cross for your sin in your place. And friends, he has given you new life. We are children of God. We are now his. We belong to him. And so at the root of the way that we conduct ourselves, we have to say that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I can't just do whatever I want to do. We, we can't just say, well, Jesus, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do. And uh, 
Whenever I need you, I'll just call on you. You know, uh, I'm going to make my own choices. I'm going to make my own decisions in life. And you know what? I'll call on you if I ever need forgiveness. It just doesn't work that way. We have been bought. You've been bought with a price. And Paul says, I want you to understand just how you should conduct yourselves. You know, it's interesting as I was thinking about this, as I was thinking about the church and Paul through the Holy Spirit giving these instructions on how we should conduct ourselves, I I think that there are some people who might say, well, you know what, you just can't tell me what to do. And that's an attitude that starts when we're really young. It's an attitude that starts when we're like one, two years old. It's not just little kids, though, that talk this way. Grown adults can talk this way as well. You know what, you can't tell me what to do. However, the reality is that Jesus can because we've been bought. We've been bought with a price. I love this other verse over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. The Apostle Paul there would say this, we are ambassadors for Christ. Do you know what an ambassador is? It's really pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's pretty simple. An ambassador represents the country, represents the leadership, represents the people of the place that he or she comes from. Paul says, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, as believers, our entire lives are to be lived to show Jesus, to represent Jesus. And so when Paul talks about knowing how to behave in the household of God, he's saying, by the way, you have been bought with a price. And that price is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador for Jesus. And so what you do and what you say needs to match up with what honors and glorifies and exalts and reflects Jesus Christ. You might say, say, well, you know, that's easier said than done. And it sure is. That's why the journey of the Christian life is a step-by-step, moment-by-moment process, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. We bear His name. We need to represent God's family by how we live our lives. Now, I want you to look again with me at verse 15. And there we're going to see this first value that I want us to look at. The middle of verse 15, there we read this phrase. It says, the church of the living God. We are the church of the living God. I think this is really important for us to understand. We need to conduct ourselves as those who are living in the presence of the Almighty God. Think about that with me for a moment. If someone, if you're with someone, if someone is in your presence that you think is really important, maybe this is someone who is really famous, it affects the way that you behave, right? That there is just something about being in the presence of someone who, who you think is really important. It, it might intimidate you. It might humble you. It might cause you to say, well, I better not say that. But it has this effect on you. And as the church, we are constantly in the presence of the living God, which should have an effect on us. Must have been 25, 30 years ago now when I heard a pastor say something that has stuck with me ever since. He said, the most important part of your life is what nobody else sees but Jesus. Boom! 
That just hit me. You know, there is, the most important part of your life is what nobody else sees but Jesus. Because the reality is, is that we are always in His presence. Some of us can, can kind of um, have this tendency of shaping up when we're around certain people. Whether it's the boss or the coach or maybe the teacher, the, the parent. And you say, well, you know what, I'd better be on my best behavior because this person is around right now. But, but what, what, uh, what we have to understand is that there is this fact that Jesus is always around. We are always around Jesus. He's always around us. We are the church of the living God. And that means that we have a relationship with him. That means that, that he sees everything, that he knows everything about us. So here's how I'd like to say this first household value for the church is that we recognize that God dwells among us. God dwells among us. Many of you are probably part of other organizations. Maybe you're part of a team, part of a club, part of a group. And you enjoy doing things together. You enjoy the the friendships that you have there. But the church is different. We are the church of the living God. And the Bible says that His Spirit is with us and in us and among us. That there is something about the body of Jesus Christ that is different than anything else in this world. When we choose to live in light of that, it has a profound impact on our lives. We've been bought with a price. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. One of the household values of the church is that we remember that God dwells among us, that we live in his presence because he is the living God. Verse 15 continues on and it says this, says that God's household is also a pillar and buttress of the truth. You might say that we are the guardians of the truth. In scripture, the truth is referring to uh, God's treasure. And uh, we are guardians of the truth. You know, when, when I think about the word truth, uh, there are two things that kind of come to my mind. First of all, uh, I, when I think about the word truth in Scripture, I think about how it is God's truth, that uh, the, the Bible is truth, that it is the revelation from God. But there's another kind of truth, and it's called honesty, speaking the truth. And, and, and I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of being bombarded by news media and social media that, that doesn't really value the truth all that much. I think that's probably the nicest way that I could say it. The lying is in your face all the time. I mean, we call it spin. We might even say, well, that's how they choose to frame the issue. But, but there is so much destruction that comes from all of the lying that is going on today. Truth is a part of God's godly integrity. God has called us to be a people who seek and speak the truth. That we speak the word of God, but that we also speak honestly. And I think it's important that the church of Jesus Christ is committed to the truth. In fact, I love the imagery that Paul gives here when he says that the church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. Another word for buttress is a foundation. That, 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 that uh, the, there is this firm foundation 
uh, of the truth. That's what the church is. But, but without a firm foundation, you have nothing. That, that's what the truth does. It provides this foundation, these pillars. Is it possible that one of the important roles for the church in society is to live and to speak the truth? Is it possible that because we are the ones who have the truth of God, that we are to warn people of the dangers of sin, that we are to offer hope to people because we have the truth? Do do you think that people in our world today, right now, need to hear the truth, truth that is encouraging, truth that is hopeful? You better believe that they do. And so here's the second household value for the church. It is that... The truth directs everything that we do. The truth directs everything that we do. At the end of the day, we need to be truthful. We need to be honest. We need to seek God's truth, which at times can be offensive to people. But but the reality is that we have been bought with a price. We are ambassadors for Christ. And so we represent him. We represent his ways. We represent his kingdom. And being people of the truth is an important value for those who are part of the household of God that are called the church. One of the things that should mark our lives and should set us apart as the people of God is that that, that the voice of Jesus Christ should drown out every other voice in this world. I, I think that's so important for us to understand and to remember today because there are so many voices. The voice of Jesus Christ needs to drown out every other voice that we hear. Friends, that's what it means to speak the truth and to live out the truth. The truth must direct everything that we do. And that's a huge value for those who are a part of the household of God. Now, this third verse here today, verse 16, is such an amazing verse. Some commentators think that it was a hymn or some kind of doxology of the church. We, we might even think of it as something like a creed. It, it, it might have even been something that was recited at their gatherings on a regular basis. But here's what Paul says. He says, indeed, uh, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the, in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Who do you think Paul's talking about there? I mean, I bet most of us could get this right, that he's talking about Jesus. He he calls this the mystery of godliness. And he's not talking about something that's spooky and mysterious. No, he's talking about something that at one time was hidden, but now it's been revealed. The mystery of Christ was the incarnation of Christ, that God became man and dwelt among us. But the mystery that that Paul is talking about here is the gospel, the the message of the gospel, the mystery uh, from which true godliness comes. In other words, there's absolutely no way that we can live out these values in the household of God unless we embrace the gospel and are transformed by the Spirit of God. That's the bottom line. Here's the gospel that's stated right here in verse 16. That God the Son left the glories of heaven and entered into humanity. 
And Jesus lived the perfect sinless life among us here on this earth. He was crucified on a Roman cross, dying in our place for the sins of everyone who would by faith receive his free forgiveness. Although he died, he didn't stay dead. But rather he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death and offering eternal life to all who would believe in him. The Bible tells us that we who have faith in Jesus Christ have his resurrection power working inside of us, renewing us and making us alive through the gospel. Friends, that's what, that's what defines Christianity. That's the good news of the gospel. So the third household value for the church that I want us to see here this morning is this, that the gospel defines our identity. The gospel defines our identity. You know, so often we can get sidetracked from what is central. We can lose sight of what really matters most. That's not a new thing. It's something that has happened down through the centuries, and we need to constantly be reminded that the gospel is the main thing. Fact is, Jesus came to this earth. He died on the cross for our sins. He was raised from the grave. And the only way that us or anyone else will ever experience real life, eternal life, is through faith in Him. For those who have received Jesus as our Savior, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. We are part of the household of God. The value of the household of God is that the gospel defines our identity. When we become family, when, we set, when we're set free from our bondage to sin, when we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, it draws us together and it creates a bond that is unlike any other bond in this world. The Bible talks about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, about being united That's who we are. That's what it looks like to be followers of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we have all of the same interests in everything. That that doesn't mean that we never disagree on anything, on, on maybe secondary issues. What that means is that when it comes to what is central, we are unified. We are of one mind about the fact that the gospel is the thing that defines our identity. And Paul says here, That the mystery of true godliness is Jesus Christ. And so we see here that number one, God dwells among us. And secondly, truth directs everything that we do. Finally, it is the gospel that defines our identity. These are the three household values of the church that are described here in 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is not just a set of rules, a set of do's and don'ts, but this is a set of values that we have. The very God of the universe dwells among us. That we live every moment of every day in His presence. And if that doesn't impact your life, my friend, well... Today is the day when you need to repent. Today is the day to confess. Today is is the day when you say, you know what, Jesus, I have been bought with a price and, and I want to live my life. I need to live my life for you because you paid the penalty for sin and for my life. Truth directs everything that we do. Can you imagine what kind of impact that would have on the United States today if every believer 
would live and speak the truth, God's truth, honest truth? Can you imagine that? And then remember, you know, it's really all about Jesus. That he is the one who brings life. That he is the one who unites people from all different walks of life. Friends, the world needs to see Jesus reflected in the church. The hope of everything that's going on in our world today is that the church would be the church in our country. Now, I know that that might seem to be a little bit naive, that there are lawmakers and there are medical people who are involved in all that's going on as well. But at the end of the day, if the church would be the church, if we would embrace the values that Paul is exhorting Timothy to and us to today as well, can you imagine the kind of impact that would have on the world? And when I think about and talk about the church, uh, you know, I'm not just talking about the 350,000 plus churches in the United States today that are out there. No, I'm talking to particularly about us about St. Paul's Bible Church here on the south side of Chicago. And so, my dear brothers and sisters, my challenge to you, my challenge to myself today is this. Will we be the household of God right here in our communities? People who live out the values of the household of God as His church. Because as we do that, I think that we're going to see that God is going to move in some pretty amazing ways. Let's pray.